Hey, you guys, we got to tell you about Brez Coffee Company. Made by gamers for gamers right here on the Gulf Coast in Pensacola, Florida. No matter what your taste in coffee are, they got you covered. You like light or medium roast? Try the Necro Medium, Holy Grail Light, or Stamina Boost. I like the iCast Fireball mixed flavor, which is a fireball whiskey flavor. If you like dark roast like I do, then try the Critical Dark or the Coo Slayer Mocha Roast. Can't decide what you need for those all-night gaming sessions? Why don't you try one of their specialty sample packs? All roasts are made with fair trade Colombian beans. So stop buying that crappy coffee from the grocery store and head over to BrezCoffeeCo.com. That's B-R-E-Z-C-O-F-F-E-E-C-O.com and enter the code NCR at checkout for 10% off your order. Amazing! Do you like the show and you want to help support us? Do you want extra episodes every month? Do you want ad-free versions of the show? Then you should sign up over at patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro and you'll get your very own RSS feed to put into whatever your podcatcher of choice is and you'll be first in line for all extra content. So head on over and become a Patreon supporter of this very show. and we're back for another edition of the Nerd Cave Retro Show. My name is Jason Robbins. And my name is Derek Diamond. I just want to start the show off by saying I'm sorry uh, to everybody for not having a show last week. It was a bit of a a heavy week for me and uh, my nephew, Michael. uh, And we're just putting this out there, you know, if it could help other people. But uh, my 15-year-old nephew, Michael, took his own life last week. And um, just want to say, anybody out there that battles depression or anxiety, there's a, a, a way out. Just talk to somebody. You know, there's, there's always people you can talk to. There's help you can get. That's a, that's a final solution that once it's done, it's done. So... Uh, if you're out there and you're listening, you ever need anybody to talk about, talk to, you know, I'm here. I'm sure Derek <laughs> it has his ears open. So please, if you're in that situation, there's always someone to talk to. Yeah, there's always another way. Yeah, it, it's yeah. And I when I you called me and kind of explained what happened. And, you know, I I, I my deepest condolences go out to you and your family because i cannot imagine what you guys have been going through over the last week or so so you know i'm even though i know that you know we we talked a little bit before we started and you said that you're doing better but you always know that i'm just a phone call away yeah oh, if you need to chat so it's just been tough you know like you don't even know what to think like what to how to feel or it's just the emotional wreckage that gets left. Like, and I understand the thinking, you know, uh, battling with depression and anxiety myself, most of my life that you, you have those thoughts. I've had those thoughts before and, but to actually go through with it and to think that you're, you're, 
you, everyone's better off without you. It's not true. Like the the emotional devastation that's left after something like that is incalculable. So just know that there are people out there that love you and will do anything for you. So there's always another way. Absolutely. I, I couldn't have said it better myself, whether it's, you know, a, a friend or sometimes it's even talking with a stranger. Yeah. You know, it's, there's always someone there that can, can help. So yeah, definitely, definitely reach out. You're, you're not alone. Yeah. You're not alone. Um, but on to, you know, happier news. How has your, your week been? Uh, it was good. Um, I got to uh, go to Orlando and um, go to Disney World for a so couple of days with, with Samantha. <laughs> I got to uh, see Galaxy's Edge for the first time, which I'm not going to lie. I got a little choked up whenever <laughs> I saw the Millennium Falcon. So that I was it, it was it was all really cool. And I've seen photos and you know, video on YouTube and, you know, other news outlets that have shown like the opening of Galaxy's Edge and everything. But, and, you know, longtime listeners know, you know, we're both huge Star Wars fans. So that was a dream come true because I can remember going to Disney World as a little kid and thinking I would love for there to be a Star Wars theme park one day. And now, you know, it took 30 years (laughs) after I first thought that in order for it to happen. But I also got to, um, uh, my friend Luke, who I've been good friends with for a few years, he used to work with me at the at the Blue Wahoos. He's been living in Orlando now for the last couple of years, so it was good to you know meet up with him and catch up because we we still keep in touch. But you know, it's the first like face to face conversation we've had in probably almost two years. So that was that was really cool. Well, I'm hoping I can get to Galaxy's Edge next year sometime. Uh I've been so looking forward to it and wanting to go, so I just got to get there. I just have to do it and get there cuz you kept sending me pictures and I'm like, "Oh my god, I'm so jealous right now as I'm toiling away at my day job." Well, I was trying to brighten your day. <laughs> but um if if you go I didn't get to do Rise of the Resistance because we're um, we're going back in January with Samantha's family. Mm-hmm. So we're going to take an extra day to go back to Hollywood Studios to do a couple of things that we didn't get to do. We did do Smuggler's Run. And I will just say this. I got to fly the Millennium Falcon. Nice. <laughs> That's so awesome. It, it was it was great. It was great, but it, it was great to, you know, just kind of get away from the norm for, for a few days and yeah. been kind of to, I, I mean, it's, it's been a couple of weeks. I mean, I, I can say it on the podcast because it's kind of public knowledge. Um, my, um, my supervisor was, um, we've been having some structural changes within my work and my supervisor's job is being eliminated so he is not with the company anymore, which sucks because he and I have been friends and have worked together now for, you know, the entire time that I've been there. So it's been a, an adjustment and that and just, you know, having to do essentially the job of two people. That's always the fun. last couple of weeks. So, yeah, it's it's been um, and there have been some other changes, too. And I think there will probably be more before 
the year wraps up, but it, it's been a, an adjustment yeah. at work. Cause I mean, as someone who's, you know, you've done everything like work-wise, you know, almost hand in hand, you know, like we've been a team for eight years and then just like that, it was gone. Yeah. So that sucks. But yeah, it's it's unfortunate, but you know, it, it it is what it is. Um well last week or so, you know, I, I really haven't done much gaming. <laughs> Wasn't really in the mood. Um, right. But I did watch a, a lot of TV. Well, I will mo- catching up on movies and stuff. Um I watched The Muppets Haunted Mansion the other night. It's so good. I want to watch it so bad. And it's got Pepe. Like Pepe is my favorite Muppet character and he's he's all up in it and it, it's so good. I when I saw the original poster where they advertised they were doing it, I thought that was just a genius concept cuz I you know, you look at the Muppet Christmas Carol and it's up there with the best versions of that story. Yeah. That's ever been made and you look at you know movies like The Great Muppet Caper, Muppet Treasure Island, like just pure fun movies yeah. and i i have no doubt that you know the muppets haunted mansion is up there with it too well i hope this is kind of a a, a beginning of new muppet content because and it you know they don't have to make full feature length movies anymore they could just do stuff like this you know like hour long muppet specials i would love to see another muppet sh- like old school style muppet show on Disney Plus. Like I would be all up for that. I just want more Muppet content. I even liked the show they did a few years ago that was almost like The Office. Yeah, I did too. I enjoyed it. I thought it. it was great, but it they just canceled it. Yeah. But if they're not going to do that and they just do uh, you know, one hour long Muppet specials, I'm okay with that too. You know, more along the lines of this stuff and putting the spotlight on some of the secondary characters. Like you know, I love Pepe. I've always, I've loved Pepe since he was introduced, and to have him be not quite front and center, but like the the sidekick for the who the Gonzo is front and center on this one, and Pepe is sort of like the sidekick here. So he gets just as much screen time as Gonzo, and I just had a blast with it. I want to watch it two or three more times before Halloween. Yeah, I definitely want to watch it before Halloween. And I know that you and I are both watching Halloween Kills yes. this upcoming weekend, which I, the, the the marketing has just been going crazy for it over the last couple of weeks. Like, I can't turn the TV on without seeing a commercial for it. Mm-hmm. I'm, I've been stoked for this movie yeah, because it's essentially been in the can now for a year because it was supposed to come out yeah. last Halloween, but it was postponed a full year due to the pandemic. But there's this, I don't know if you feel the same way, but they're making, they're making it out to have a certain finality to it. Yeah. But, but I mean, we all know it's not because there's going to be a third movie in this entry called Halloween ends. Yeah. So how's this movie going to (laughs) end? I don't know. Maybe Michael does end die in this one. And then Lori becomes the bad guy for that. uh, The third one. And they have to take maybe. her out, maybe. That would be kind of cool. That'd be an interesting twist. But if you're interested in the Halloween series, uh, the movies that made us, season three just dropped. 
the other day too. They do uh, aliens, uh, uh, fr- yeah, aliens Friday the thirteenth, Halloween, um, RoboCop, and uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. That's a damn good selection. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I love it. We watched uh, the original Nightmare on Elm Street a couple of days ago. We've been going through and watching, you know, some some classic horror movies since October started. So. You can go listen to our, in the archives, you can go listen to our roundtable discussion of Nightmare on Elm Street that we did uh, last year, year before. I want to say it was the year before because last year, what did we do last year? Because I still have a whole soundboard here full of Nightmare on Elm Street stuff. Up yours with a twirling lawnmower. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but speaking of Halloween kills, before we forget, we are going to do, we're all going to watch it this weekend, and uh, we're going to have Mr. Joey Image himself back. Uh, we're going to do a roundtable for our extra episode next month. And uh, we'll do a roundtable with Mr. Joey Image and Mr. Wiley Phelps. We'll be here, and that will be our extra episode for October. I like that it's become a tradition for Halloween for Joey yeah. Image to come on the show. Like it's something to look forward to. Well, he's such a fan I, of Halloween. Like he is a huge fan of the Halloween movies. Well, I remember a couple of years ago when we did the kind of like the the collaboration where we discussed Halloween one and two on this show, and then Halloween three on my show. Mm-hmm. And that just led into me going down like a rabbit hole <laughs> of movies. And I remember he and I, you know, talking over Twitter about like Scream and I think one other movie we talked about. I have done a Scream uh, marathon, too, the last couple of weeks. We've been watching the Scream movies over again. And those still are great to watch. I like I haven't seen the fourth one yet. Um, I liked the first one the best. Mm. the The third one was was pretty good, and I the, the ones I've seen I would put Scream Two at, at the bottom. Uh, did you watch the trailer for? Yes, the I did. One? <laughs> I'm excited for it. Me too. I'm glad they're bringing all these old franchises back. I'm I'm for it. I'm for it. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, we got a lot of news to get to. Would you like to get to the news for tonight? Sure. All of today's stories were submitted to us by Mr. Armez Jackson and I am the Rampage. If you have a story you'd like us to cover, send them to nerdcaveretro at gmail.com. This first story comes from yahoo.com. Super Mario superfans have catapulted the cult classic 1993 Super Mario Brothers movie to the number one spot on Amazon sales charts, even though it's terrible. Because, of course, they did. <laughs> For a movie with a 28% on Rotten Tomatoes, I can't even believe it's got 28%, um, that's regarded by its star actor as the worst thing I ever did, the Super Mario Brothers movie from 1993 is having a surprising renaissance. On Amazon's video sales charts... It took the top spot on Tuesday morning, even besting the latest Fast and Furious Blu-ray release. That's because of the upcoming uh, Super Mario Bros. animated movie. Uh, The 1993 adaptation is regarded as the first live-action adaptation of a video game to film. Unfortunately, it was a critical and commercial flop, which set a precedent for the next 20 years of video games being adapted to film. So what do you think about everybody pushing that awful movie (laughs) 
to the number one spot on I'm Amazon. Being, I'm being serious. I'm not surprised because when you announce the cast for the animated movie, then everybody's going to be like, oh, yeah. Do you remember that really bad movie from several years ago? So then they go classic. watch it. Call it a cult classic. Well, is that I I don't know about all that. <laughs> Insert Chris Hemsworth going. Is it though? Is it though? Is it though? Yeah, I mean, it's going to pique curiosity because the Mario name is out there. You mentioned Mario movie. People still remember the one from the '90s that was mm-hmm. really bad, and that's usually why it's remembered is because of how bad it is. <laughs> it. It has some so bad it's entertaining qualities. No, it doesn't. <laughs> but I'm not saying that it's overall a so bad it's good movie. I said it has its moments. If you want so to know let, our let me... thoughts, go back and listen to our commentary track for it. <laughs> that was like back in 2018. Which is that. still arguably my favorite commentary track that we've done. Yeah, it's that movie's so bad. It I even, really I, is. I bought literally bought the DVD on Amazon because it's one of those movies that before then, every time I walked into Walmart, you know, the like the $5 bin, it would just be overflowing with Super Mario Brothers. We decided to do that commentary track. I go to like two or three different Walmarts, can't find the movie anywhere. So I order it on Amazon, got it, watched it. And then after that, guess where I start seeing it all over the place? Best Buy $5 bins, seeing it at flea markets. I'm like, really? I paid like $10 for this hunk of shit on Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> then I ended up giving it to uh, Brandon Rutledge. Uh, and it took me about six months to actually ship it to him because I didn't want to touch it. That movie's just terrible. I'm just picturing you like walking into a Walmart and you see nothing but Super Mario <laughs> Brothers DVDs. Yeah. Then you go to Best Buy and then they just start falling out of the sky and you wake up in a cold sweat and you just scream at the top of your lungs and wake up your neighbors. Uh, you walk into Walmart and you hear from the back of the store, son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I, I imagine that your own personal hell would be being stuck in a room watching that movie on loop for the rest of eternity. It, it would be. I can't stand that movie. It's it's gross. It's not good. It's just awful. There's nothing redeeming about that movie. Yeah, it's it's memorable for all the wrong reasons. <laughs> we'll just say that. Yeah. Our next story comes to us from one of our favorite sites, NintendoLife.com. Konami competition tasked indie devs with reviving its classic IP. This is actually a really cool story. It's currently hosting a Japanese indie game contest asking small team developers to create action and shooting games based on its classic IP. The winner scores 2 million yen, which equates to 18 grand and will be given the opportunity to commercialize their game with Konami investing up to 30 million yen around $270,000 in development funds and providing full support for the product. This includes supervision, production advice, localization support, promotion, and equipment. Konami has listed over 80 different games that creators can reimagine, remake, or create sequels for. Some of the titles mentioned include Twinbee, Gradius, and series like Goemon, I assume is how you pronounce that. Goemon? 
I don't remember. Uh, earlier this week, a rumor during the round suggested Konami was interested in bringing back older IPs such as Castlevania, Metal Gear Solid, and Silent Hill. Some of these could be with the assistance of third-party studios. So what do you think of this? I think it's an amazing opportunity yeah. for an indie developer. If you're an indie developer and you have a good idea for uh, you know, an, an, a new installment in the Castlevania <laughs> series or you know, Gradius or, I mean, Konami had so many good games back in the day. Um, like, if, if I was an indie, indie developer, I would be jumping on this in a second. 100%. If you're a developer and you get the chance to reimagine or make a sequel to a classic Konami game, what would you do? Oh, it'd definitely be Castlevania. I mean, that's no doubt. Yeah, Castlevania would be my first choice, and then second choice would probably be Contra. Contra's a good one. Yeah, I I think we're way overdue for a new Castlevania. Yeah, way, way overdue. overdue. So I I think that's without a doubt the number one. But I mean, there's been I, some, I'm with you. There's been some really good Castlevania clones the past couple of years. You know, like uh, uh, Curse Bloodstained is really good. Yep. Those games. But just to have like a, a good classic side-scrolling uh, Castlevania game, like I'm, I'm in such a mood for that right now. Agreed. Uh, this next story is also from Nintendo Life. Uh, X Seed is bringing up uh, bringing an updated version of Corpse Party. I don't know why I say Corpse Party. Like my voice broke like I was 14. <laughs> corpse Party to switch later this month, just in time for Halloween. XC Games has announced an updated version of the 1996 cult horror classic Corpse Party will be released on the Switch here um, on the 20th of October for uh, 1999. There'll be a 10% discount at launch. The Switch version was originally released in Japan earlier this year. The original game was previously released on the 3DS in 2016. The game is described as a battleless RPG with decision-making and point-and-click adventure gameplay. Um, did you ever get to play this game? It it looks pretty cool. It's kind of got that uh, anime look to it, which isn't really my cup of tea. But, I mean, I might give something like this a shot because it's got a really cool kind of dark art style to it. Well, I do need a game to review that has a horror theme yeah. for the end of the month. So <clears throat> I, this intrigues me. Everything from the look of it. I never played the original one, but it does intrigue me. Yeah. So I may pick this up. I mean, it's, it's 20 bucks and there'll be a 10% discount at launch. So why so, not? Yeah, pick it up for 18 bucks if you're interested. Uh, what is today? Today is... The 13th, so you got seven days left before it drops. Yeah. On the Switch. I'll have to play it a lot for a week. Yeah. <laughs> but, no, it, it looks fun. It's it's something different that I would not normally play, so... Yeah, a battleless kind of, RPG, though, that sounds kind of weird. <laughs> yeah, that that's the intriguing part to me. Yeah. Also from NintendoLife.com, I'm excited about this. Yes. Asper reveals two Star Wars bundles for Nintendo Switch. Asper Media, uh, or the first bundle, Star Wars Jedi Knight Collection, includes both Star Wars Jedi Knight 2 
Jedi Outcast, and Jedi Knight Jedi Academy. The second Star Wars Racer and Commando combo features Star Wars Republic Commando and Star Wars Episode One Racer. The two bundles actually leaked some time ago, but it's nice to see the releases be officially announced. Each of these will be launching across Europe and North America on November 16th, priced at $30. Uh, they'll be arriving on PS4 a little earlier on October 26th for the same price. So I remember the Jedi Knight games. Mm-hmm. I never played them, but I remember watching a lot of the gameplay. Yeah, I played uh, Jedi Outcast, I think, on the original Xbox. It might have been the original Xbox or the PS2. Uh, didn't play Jedi Knight, Jedi Academy, but I would, I'm would. i definitely intrigued of getting that bundle because uh, I remember really liking Jedi Outcast, so I'd love to go back and replay it. Uh, I don't know. It, it doesn't say if they're... Um, remastered or anything or if it's just sort of maybe the you know it's still the same game um without any kind of remastering or anything but it would be interesting to go back and play and see what they're like now because i remember enjoying that game a lot which speaking of star wars i don't know if you read but season three of the mandalorian started filming today i'm so ready i'm ready for book of boba fett oh I'm ready for, well, that too, but I'm way ready for Kenobi. Yeah, I'm ready for all. Just give me all of it. All the Star Wars. I 2022 is going to be a great year for Star Wars fans. Yes, it will be. I cannot wait. Yeah, I'm, I had actually the, uh, the, the Star Wars racer. I had the uh, N64 uh, Star Wars racer branded um, console. <clears throat> when I first got the N64, and that was like 99, I think. Because I played, my brother actually let me um, have his N64 for a long time because he bought it when it was new. And um, I played it for a while, and then, uh oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry about that. Um, I need to unlink my phone from the computer. Um, but yeah, I, and when I actually bought an, my own N64, it was the Star Wars Racer branded uh, N64. I wish I still had it. Well, that would be cool. I remember that. I never had one because I, I got the, um, I just had the basic original N64. But they they did a few different, they did a few different ones. I remember the the transparent green one. I don't know if you remember that one. Yeah. Yeah, I always liked uh, the transparent ones, but that's such a thing of the 90s, like to have something that's transparent. Like That was kind of the yeah. last of the things in the 90s that were transparent. We had transparent phones, transparent game consoles, everything had to be transparent. I was a big fan of the transparent Game Boy Color. Yeah, had those two transparent. That was my favorite one. <laughs> Uh, let's see, our last story here comes from HypeBeast.com. Xbox celebrates 20th anniversary with translucent special edition controller. T- uh, speaking of uh, transparent things, November 15th marks the 20th anniversary of the very original Xbox. Holy crap, dude, 20 Put me years. in the grave. Oh, God, where is time going? 
Right. Uh, in celebration of this milestone, Microsoft is now launching a special edition translucent controller for those uh, on the Xbox Series X and S. Uh, it's based on the new controllers designed for its next-gen console. The upcoming release carries all the usual functions you'd expect from newer Xbox controllers, including the upgraded D-pad design and textured grips. A translucent cover takes over most of the front side as a nod to the original Xbox debug kit, debug kit shipped out two decades ago, while the brand's signature green tones return as welcome accents on the Xbox uh, home button itself and the padding on the rear. Along with the new controller, Xbox will also release a stereo headset boasting a similar translucent design as well as green accenting by the earpieces and microphone. It's going to be um, pre-ordered now on the Microsoft's website and will go for 70 bones. I mean, if I owned an Xbox, I would probably get one of these because I, I, I like commemorative stuff like this. I think it's cool that you know, they're doing one that they're actually making a, a deal about it being the 20 year anniversary of the original system. If they really ah. wanted to make it a 20th anniversary controller, they should have put out the big original Xbox, oh my God. The, the big can. It felt like you were holding a canned ham. <laughs> it's that, so huge. That controller is the super Mario brothers movie of video game controllers. <laughs> I said it. So I don't regret huge. it. I could not stand that controller. It yeah. was just so like it was the size of my head. Yeah, it might as well have been the size of my head. Like as as great as the GameCube controller was around that same time, uh -huh. the Xbox controller was the polar opposite. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know who designed it or what they were on, but God, I hated that controller. I. I just talking about it makes me angry. I remember um, I had the original Xbox. I had the original you know, canned ham controller. Yep. And uh, I remember, you know, not liking it, thinking it was just a big unwieldy beast of a controller. And then I played the, the newer controller at um, on a demo at, uh, at uh, Toys R Us. And immediately bought it. I was like, this is so much better than the other controller. No, I I totally feel you. I, I do like the And I think the it newer was about 70 bucks back then. The newer generation of like Xbox controllers, I do like those. It's just that I don't know what they were thinking <laughs> with that original one. The, I don't know. That that being said. I, at some point, I would like to get an original Xbox complete with canned ham controller. Yeah. Just just to have it. Like, I, I wish I had kept all my original Xbox stuff. Yeah, me too. I still remember selling it, and I still regret it to this day, selling my original Xbox. I had so many games for that thing. It's a shame. Yeah, I I mostly played Xbox for Halo. Mm -hmm. But there, there were some other good games on it too. Like we're for, for November, we we got to do the Halo Roundtable. I know we've talked about it for a while. But yeah, we could tell some some great stories <laughs> with that. We got to have Wally on for that one. Oh, for sure. Oh, and we have some this month in video game history. Want to do that? Yeah, let's go for let's it. Do it. <laughs> 
October 18th of 1985, Nintendo releases Duck Hunt for the NES in North America and that damn dog. One of the original trolls, <laughs> the Duck Hunt dog. Yeah. I I liked playing Duck Hunt a lot when I was a kid. You know, I've, I've told the story about going over to my aunt's house to play NES, and that's where I was introduced to Legend of Zelda, Super Mario Brothers. She had the Mario Brothers Duck Hunt combo. So naturally, when I see that you have a, a gun accessory, I'm like, yeah, I want to try this out. Mm-hmm. And the, I'll never forget the first time I heard that damn dog's laugh, <laughs> and I never wanted to hear it again. If you've never seen it, when they introduced the Duck Hunt dog as a character for Smash Brothers, the trailer for it is so great. Yeah. If you're to give like a quick description of it, it has like the old 8 bit style graphics from Duck Hunt. The dog pops up because whoever's playing the game, you know, miss the ducks or whatever so the dog pops out of the bushes starts laughing and the screen gets really dark and the dog's just kind of looking around like uh-oh and then eight bit versions of mario bowser samus link and i think one or two others show up and they show up to fight the dog <laughs> it's awesome it. Yeah, it's it's great. I still can't believe you know nobody knew. Like everybody was so surprised to find out a few years ago that you could control the other duck with the second controller. And I was like, how did you not know about that? It said it in the ma- in the manual. Yeah, you know, speaking of Smash Brothers, we didn't talk about they announced Sora from Kingdom Hearts oh, as right. the yeah. final uh, final fighter, which. You know, I was hoping for Crash Bandicoot just for the nostalgia purposes, but I think Sora is an excellent choice. You know, like Kingdom Hearts is still a huge franchise. And I think the fact that they have a character that's pretty much a Disney character mm-hmm. because it's the collaboration between Disney and Square is still a huge get by Nintendo. So I, I applaud them for that like yeah. I, I i think it was a great choice i gotta jump back into kingdom hearts so i can review it soon yeah no definitely i i've been every now and then like i get the urge to go back and and play that game but on october 9th 1988 nintendo revamps doki doki panic and releases it as super mario brothers 2 for the nes in america <clears throat> and the pal region this is also the game that birdo made her debut and it was released in Japan as Super Mario USA in 1992. And I put this in here because after reading it, I thought to myself, I've never played the original Doki Doki Panic. And sure, I'm, it's probably the exact same game with different uh-huh. characters, but I'd be interested to play that version just for the experience. Yeah, I think the original character almost looked like a, like an Aladdin type of character. Yes. And uh, it would be interesting to go back and play the original game just to see how close it really is. Yeah, for sure. Like, I, that'd be something to, to review one day. I think so. We should. Yeah. Uh, October 8th of 1992, <clears throat> Midway Games releases the Mortal Kombat arcade game in North America, which features bloody fatalities, digitized characters, and started a franchise of games and movies. I saw a really cool video the other day on Twitter uh, for the 30th anniversary, the, uh, the Mortal Kombat 
uh, Twitter account has been releasing videos of the original, um, the, ori- uh, uh, the original videos they did of the game, and they showed uh, all the an- the original you know video of them doing the moves for Scorpion. And it's so cool to watch them do it, and then they, you know, do a side by side comparison in the game. It's very, very cool. I'll have to check those out. Yeah, it's crazy to think next year will be the the thirty year anniversary of of that game, and it's. I think you got to put it up there as one of the most successful franchises of all time because you look so. at all the sequels. I mean, games are still being made. You had the movies from the nineties. You had the web series. You have the new movie, which I, I don't know if you saw it, but I actually liked the new movie. Yeah, I did too. I thought it was pretty good. Was, uh, yeah. I mean, I liked the original movie, uh, the 1994 or 5 when it came out. But mm-hmm. uh, this one was very, very, very watchable. Yeah, I still I think we could top the Super Mario Brothers commentary track if we did Mortal Kombat Annihilation. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't. I would probably leave in the middle. <laughs> and I want to say I want to apologize to the listeners for all the dings and and uh, <laughs> uh, rings coming through. Nobody wants to talk to me all day long until I'm podcasting, and then every single person on the planet's like, "Hey, what are you doing?" Like, I'm doing a podcast, which you're not watching right now. <laughs> Thanks. Oh, uh, that's that's always how it goes. And my my phone is hooked into the computer. I got the ringer off on my phone, so now it's ringing through the computer. I'm like, oh my god, I gotta undo that. That's such a pain. I always forget that my phone's connected to my computer. Yeah. So I'm sitting here trying to talk to you, and I'm just getting dings and rings and everything else. I'm so embarrassed right now. So I apologize yeah. for anyone listening to the show. All good. On October 20th, 1997, Nintendo releases the new style Super NES, a remodeled version of the Super NES in North America. What was I'm, this? Oh, I remember this. Yeah. Yeah. I remember seeing it in stores. I never had one personally. I don't like this version of it. No, I I much prefer the the original. I know this one's a little sleeker and probably smaller, but... When I think of the Super Nintendo, I think of the original version. I think of the big gray block. Yeah, I like the gray block. Yeah, I mean, it's like it's synonymous with the name Super Nintendo. So kind of like I, the I, original NES, and then you have the, you know, the original NES, and then you have the top loader. Ugh, mm-hmm. That top loader is so ugly. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I give Nintendo credit for you know, making something new and sleeker, but you can't beat the original. No. And I, I don't hate the newer style version, but I mean, you, come on, you can't top yeah. the perfection of the Super Nintendo. <laughs> I still love that original block, man. That's still a cool design. Yeah, it is. Uh, October 21st of 1998, Wario Land 2 is released for the Game Boy Color. The last game that I reviewed on this show, mm-hmm. um, I, I mean, I can't really say anything different than I said a couple of weeks ago. But you know, I, I think the Wario series is still to this day very underrated. When you look at the spinoff of um, the spinoffs of the Mario franchise, 
Wario has to be up there. And then, you know, with, and I'm sure I'll review these at some point, but the Wario where micro games are so much fun. So it's yeah. been cool to see the evolution of the Wario franchise, but I, I love its roots with the, the classic platforming. Yeah, I never and really it, played any of them. You should. I, I'm I'm hoping that at some point they'll release the some Game Boy games on the Switch. I hope for so. the the online store, and I, I think the Wario Land games, all four of them, need to go on there. And finally, and th- this this one made me feel old. Hmm. On October 26th, when we get to that day, it will be the 20 year anniversary <laughs> of Pikmin being released for the Nintendo GameCube in Japan. Mm-hmm. I have been wanting a new Pikmin game for a while. I know they made one for the 3DS, but it was more like a side-scroller and not the almost like open-world feel that you have. It's not open-world technically, but it has that kind of feel when you play the first three of the Pikmin games. I, I wish they would do one a new one for the switch. I, I just think it would do so well. People love these games. The gameplay is so addictive and it's so much fun. It's one of those games that you can get sucked in for hours. Just you know, building your, your number of Pikmin you have and your different color types and things like that. So it's, it's a, it's a good franchise and one of my personal favorites. Uh, Nintendo has a lot of franchises they need to pick back up again. That they do. If it's not Mario or Link, they don't care. <laughs> yeah, that reminds me. There was a hilarious meme I saw on Facebook the other day. So you know the, the scene from X-Men First Class when Magneto's saying he wants to see the real Mystique? Yeah. And then, like, whenever she actually shows up, he says perfection. Mm-hmm. There, there's... A side-by-side, it shows a picture of Zelda from Breath of the Wild. And he says, I want to see the real Zelda. And it goes through literally every iteration of Mm -hmm. Zelda, down to the original. But he still says it. And then the last picture is a picture of Link. And then he says, perfection. (laughs) I like it. Yeah, it was funny. That's a good meme. I like like that perfection meme. I always, always make me laugh. Yeah, those you don't see them very often, but when you do, yeah, <laughs> they make you laugh. Uh, before we go into our review for tonight, Derek has shout-outs. Yes, so as always, we'd like to shout-out our awesome patrons over at patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro. We want to shout-out Axblade07, Daniel Salmon, Armez Jackson, Hand Solo, Carlos Longoria, Steph Sergeant Sketch, Brandon Rutledge, Gus and Penny, Matthew Salmon, Joey Image, and Ron Johnson. Thank you all so much for your continued contributions. But as Jason was saying uh, before we started, we have gone below the $50 level. So, dun, 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 dun. Yeah, so <laughs> we, we are going to be doing the extra episode, but um, we'll be posting it after it's uh, done recording, right? Yeah. Okay, cool. So if you want to get us back up to the $50 level, you will get first first listen to our bonus tracks that we do. Um, fun commentary tracks such as we mentioned earlier, Super Mario Brothers. Most recently, we did Clue. That was a lot of fun. Uh, other ones I'm sure that we'll have uh, planned in the future. So get us back up to that $50 level. 
and we will give you exclusive commentary tracks and bonus episodes. And if you want to do that, just head over to patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro. And for new patrons, send us your social media info, either on Twitter, Facebook, email, or on Patreon, so we can give you a proper social media shout out. And a lot of it too is sometimes uh, Patreon does some weird things with their uh, their payouts and charging every month. So every once in a while, you have to go back in, especially if you have like a debit or a credit card um, on your Patreon account. Make sure you're checking that every once in a while because sometimes they do some weird things where it won't charge you correctly, and you need to go back in and and redo your uh, whatever card you're using or whatever. So if you are a patron and you're not sure, uh, just go check and uh, make sure that you are uh, your card is, your card information is up to date in Patreon because they get weird with that sometimes. So get us back over that fifty dollar level, and uh, we just need a couple of bucks to get back above fifty. And we'll uh, we'll return in November to do our extra tracks for you guys. Yes. And tonight, Derek is talking about... Anything more haunting than Metroid music? Not very much. Not very much when it comes to the gaming world. So I've been very much looking forward to talking about this game, even back to when we were doing Metroid Month uh, a while back on the show. And that would be Metroid Prime for the Nintendo GameCube. It's an action-adventure game developed by Retro Studios and published by Nintendo. It's the fourth main installment in the Metroid franchise and the first game in the series to use 3D computer graphics and a first-person perspective. Now, I'm sure you remember like I do when this game came out and it was announced that it was going to be a first-person shooter. That alone got very mixed reviews. Yeah. Because leading up to that, Metroid was known as a side-scroller third-person game. So... A lot of people are like, well, why, why change it? Why mess with... Because Super Metroid is regarded as one of the best Super Nintendo games of all time. Mm-hmm. Really tough to top. So why would you change it? As a side note, they coincided this release with Metroid Fusion for the Game Boy Advance, which played exactly like Super Metroid. So I know a lot of people prefer that game because of that. But once Prime came out, And I want to preface that by saying I liked the Metroid series. You know, I remember playing Super Metroid, but I wasn't a diehard fan. Mm. So the first person perspective didn't really bother me. If anything, I thought, well, Nintendo doesn't really have a notable first person shooter franchise. Well, at the time, you know, this came out right after uh, this was 2002. So this is what a year or two after. Um, Halo had dropped for yeah. the Xbox. Mm-hmm. And Halo was the gold standard at that point for first-person shooters. And to turn Metroid into a first-person shooter 
in the style of Halo was a no-brainer to me. It just that world just lends itself so perfectly for that, you know, exploration and you know looking for secrets and just that whole world just fits so well into you know an open you know 3D first person world. Well, that's very notable even in the very beginning of the game when you're on the space station and you go through like a tutorial of how to, you know, move your helmet so you can look around, how you can aim, how you shoot, jump, do all these things to prep you for being immersed in that world. And I could tell from the very beginning that, hey, this this works you know, that this was the right decision. Yeah. You know, even like, and as you go through the space station and you start to learn more about, you know, what's going on. And then you fight the parasite queen when you get to the core of the station. And then you run into, to me, the coolest version of Ridley, who's pretty much completely robotic at this point. His name is meta Ridley in this game. <laughs> But he's just so freaking huge and looks so badass. It was like if you combined Ridley with the Terminator. Mm-hmm. I just thought, you know, I thought he was the coolest character in this entire game, you know, playing it back in 2002. Mm-hmm. So the, the story of the game is uh, you're, as usual, battling space pirates who are conducting experiments on a planet called Talon 4. Now, you start out the game with almost all of your standard power-ups. In escaping the space station, your suit is damaged, which converts it back to, like, its base form. Uh Like, you don't have your charge beam, you don't have missiles or anything like that. You literally can jump and shoot beams out of your gun. And that's literally it. So, once you leave the station, you go down to the planet, and from there, it's the story starts to unfold. And what's cool is through your visor, you can actually scan a lot of items, uh, you know, wildlife, enemies, documents that actually tell you a lot of story about the game, which I, playing through it in its most recent time, is one of my favorite things. Like as soon as I walk into a different area, I'll automatically turn the scan visor on yeah, and I'll just start scanning everything just because I want to read everything about it. The HUD in this game is still to this day one of my favorite HUD overlays in any first-person shooter game. Oh, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. And there are there are quite a few cool boss battles in this game too. Like whenever you do finally fight Meta Ridley it's right before you get to the final boss of the game. And when he shows up and you hear that, you're like shits on. (laughs) And it's, it's a really, it's a really cool fight and everything from the music it's raining while you're fighting him. It's just the visuals in this game. Yeah. The graphics are a little primitive by today's standards, but, it still Back looks then, good, though. Yeah, it it really does. You know, I, I wish there was a uh, an HD version of this game, which I I think we are going to get. I'm sure at, we at some are. point. So, uh, but even still, you know, I, I think 
the visuals still hold up to a degree. And I don't know what, what much more I can say other than I think, was it a bold move to go in this direction for the franchise? Maybe. I, I don't think it's as bold as it was initially made out to be. Yeah. It but, seemed like like a natural progression to me. I mean, you went, you took Mario from a 2D world to a 3D world very easily with the Nintendo 64. They didn't make a Metroid game <clears throat> for the Nintendo 64. And then, you know, they come, because honestly, I don't think they could have made this game on the N64. There's no way you would have had that sort of control with just that one single analog stick. You have to have the dual analog sticks to play a game like this. And it seems like it's such a perfect transition from that. And I I don't know why they don't do this now. I mean, we have Metroid Dread. Why can't we do a Metroid series where you get a Metroid 2D side-scroller like Metroid Dread, and then the next year you get uh, a 3D first-person shooter? And then you kind of flip-flop like that. That well, that way you sense. appease yeah you appease both fan bases. Like I mentioned with Metroid Fusion mm-hmm. for the Game Boy Advance, which I, I teased this before we started the show, but I remember firing up the game the first time I played it to you know, get ready for my review, and I noticed Metroid Fusion bonus features on the main menu, and I completely forgot about this. So you could link the Metroid Fusion game through the Game Boy Advance link cable to the GameCube. And through that, you can play the original Metroid on the GameCube. Like there's a, <laughs> there's a, there's a, an option for you to just select it. That's cool. And, but the coolest thing, and I actually played through the game with this, you get the Metroid Fusion suit in Metroid Prime. <laughs> That's awesome. I, I it looks really cool in 3D. Like I, I like the the fusion suit a lot. I know it's quite different than the traditional uh power suit, but I, I just think it looks really freaking cool. So I, I thought that was a cool little Easter egg that that they threw in. And I, I was really happy that they made those games connect yeah. like that. So <clears throat> it, it's little little nuances like that, but uh, kind of dive in a, a little more into the story and you learn more and more about this as you progress through the game is that the uh, there was a meteor that crashed on uh, Talon 4 that contained a creature called Metroid Prime and the um, the Chozo built this this uh, chamber to basically contain it because of how powerful it was. And it was basically causing this uh, material called Phazon to spread throughout the planet. Now, Metroid Prime is the final boss of the game, and you have to get a... um, You eventually get a suit upgrade to make you basically not... It makes you essentially immune to the Phazon because if you touch it without wearing the suit, it's extremely... It damages you quite a bit very quickly. So the what's cool about the final boss is that it's in different phases. So you jump in this crater, you fight it, damage it, and then it retreats deeper in the crater. And then you jump in after it. 
And then it also teases the sequels that we eventually got because the Metroid Prime creature steals your Phazon suit as you're escaping the crater. And if you complete the game and you collect all the items, you get a cool post-credit scene of Dark Samus being born, which is Metroid Prime in Samus's suit. Essentially. That's cool. Yeah, so the, the sequels are pretty good too, but to me, they don't they don't capture the magic quite the same way as the original Metroid Prime. Like, there's just something about firing the missiles for the first time uh-huh. in first person, uh, turning into the morph ball, which then you go into a third person view, turning into the morph ball for the first time, like doing all these impactful things reminded me of the first time I played Ocarina of Time. You, you, you doing the, the traditional things from the original games in a new way because you're in 3d. Yeah was very cool but i i like metroid prime a lot i've had so much fun going back and playing through this game and just remembering all the little nuances about it and just seeing the evolution of of that story was was just fantastic yeah i've been wanting to go back and replay this game i've been waiting on a new you know, a version of it for the Switch. I mean, I've been keeping my eye out for a copy for my GameCube, which I need to just go ahead and pull the trigger on that. But last time I played this was in 2008. Um, Me and a a friend of mine uh, at his apartment busted this game out, and over a weekend we (laughs) kept going over there, and we would take turns getting through this game. And uh, that was the last time I played this, was thir- about 13 years ago since I played this game. Yeah, it had been a while for me. It, luckily for me, I still have my original copy that I bought uh, back in 2002. I sold off my original copy back when I, I think when I sold my original GameCube. Yeah, it's I didn't keep too many of my original GameCube games. I think I kept Metroid Prime. I kept Wind Waker, uh, Sonic Adventure 1 and 2, and I think Mario Sunshine Hmm. were the only ones that I kept. But uh, I'm definitely glad I did because I didn't have to go to either the Trading Post or Price Busters here in town to see Uh if they had a copy. But once the, I guess, the anger of the first person decision wore off this game became quite popular it became one of the best-selling games on the gamecube and it was the second best-selling game of november 2002 in north america only behind Hmm. a little known game called grand theft auto vice city it sold a quarter of a million units in the first week of its release that's a lot which i i think is (laughs) is pretty darn good. Electronic Gaming Monthly awarded the game a perfect review score, and it won numerous Game of the Year awards and was praised for its detailed graphics, special effects, varied environments, moody soundtrack, and sound effects. Uh, And also innovative gameplay centered on exploration in contrast with action games such as Halo, while staying faithful to the Metroid formula. And that, I think, is a little detail that gets overlooked, is that, yeah, you're playing it in a different way, but 
it's still a Metroid game. It still feels like a Metroid game. You're still in that world. See, that's what you need from a Metroid game. As long as it keeps that feeling of isolation and loneliness and you're you're alone and on this alien planet and everything is trying to kill you. <laughs> you know, like and as long as you keep that that's what makes Metroid Metroid. You know, going through finding new upgrades to your suit and and your weapons and figuring out the story as you go along. I mean, so many games have emulated Metroid to this point. Like it's such an influential series. I still haven't played Dread yet. I want to get that this weekend. I'm so excited to play it. I just uh, it's been, you know, really couldn't do that this last week, but I'm yeah. really looking forward to playing that and I hope really hope that Dread does really well, well enough to kick Nintendo in the butt and show them that Metroid is still a viable um, franchise for them and they'll start making more Metroid games because you know five six seven years in between games is too much that's not cool Nintendo Metroid is it's uh, one of your flagship series I mean that first game came out in what 1986 like for the NES and was one of your greatest games for that system and Super Metroid being one of the greatest games on the Super Nintendo Metroid Prime is one of the greatest games for the GameCube just bring it back just treat it like you do Zelda and Mario and just give us one every couple of years well I'm glad you brought up Metroid Prime being one of the best games on the GameCube because IGN named it the best game for the Nintendo GameCube. And GameSpy ranked it third, only behind The Wind Waker and Resident Evil 4. Yeah. Nintendo Power also ranked Metroid Prime as the sixth best game of the 2000s. And I, I will say this, I think, I, we use this analogy a lot, if you're a GameCube fan and you're a collector, mm -hmm. and you only get the option to have five games this is one of those five. Absolutely. Like it's, it's up there when we're talking about best GameCube games, it's up there with wind waker. Mm -hmm. I would also say, um, you know, resident evil four from what I've played of it. I think it deserves to be on there. That was the definitive version for me was the GameCube version of resident evil four. Yeah. That's, that's what I've heard for sure. And some of the scores IGN gave it a 9.8 out of 10, Game Informer gave it a nine and a half. Uh, as I mentioned, Electronic Gaming Monthly gave it a 10 out of 10. Game Spy gave it a 96. I, I'm going to give this game a solid nine. Like it's mm -hmm. one of the best games for the GameCube. I would put it up there with Super Metroid as being one of the best Metroid games of the entire franchise. And I love Super Metroid. I think Metroid Fusion is great as well. This deserves to be in that conversation. Everything from the gameplay, the world that you're set in, the look, the music, the atmosphere, like all of it just works and it all flows together so well uh -huh. that if you've never played this game, you are doing yourself a disservice. 
You know what Nintendo needs to do? They need to do the Metroid Prime Trilogy as one big game. A remaster as one big game, a lot like the way EA did uh, for Mass Effect. Mass Effect, the Mass Effect Trilogy. Just do it as one big re-release of the Metroid Prime Trilogy. And, I, and you'd be printing money. Like People would just eat that up if you did that. I would buy it day one. Me too. I'm I'm there. I mean, there, I don't think you have to do much to this game to make it look better. I mean, the controls are pretty much damn near perfect as it is, and you just need a little bit of a fresh coat of paint, you know, up res it a little bit for the the you know the graphics. Audio's still perfect. The music's perfect. There's not much you really got to do for these games to make it better. No, I, I completely agree. It, it needs to happen. And I, I think it is going to happen. I think there is, if, if it's not the trilogy, I definitely think it will be the original. But I think we are going to get some type of Metroid Prime re-release well, I think fairly if soon. Nintendo, you know they're going to come out with the, the full price tag. It'll be a $60 game. If you're going to do that, it, it should be the entire trilogy. If you're going to charge 60 bucks for a remaster. It should be the entire trilogy. That's just that's just my opinion. No, I agree. I agree. Your, but yeah, that's my, my review money, of Metroid Prime. My money is waiting for you, Nintendo. <laughs> just come and take it. Come and take it. Give me what I want. Yep. But yeah, I would agree with you. Uh, I beat this game, you know, twice. I beat it when I originally played it. Beat it again with with my buddy uh, Tony around 2008. Uh, we played it again. I haven't played it since, but you know, from what I remember of this game, I totally agree. It's it's a solid nine out of ten. Yeah, it's it was so fun to go back and replay it. It's one that you know back when we did Metroid Month. I know we never got to Metroid Prime, but I knew in the back of my mind that one day I was gonna pull this out of the archive and review it. So yeah, I'm glad I did. Yeah, I I'll, I love pretty much anything metroid so as long as if it's out there i want to play it and there's still a lot of metroid games i haven't played like i never got to play fusion i want to go back and play it so that's why i wish nintendo would just put everything out there just blah just vomit it all onto the switch i'll give you another five ten dollars a month and i'll because i want to play it all yes but uh but that brings us to the end of the show next week i'm going to be playing a game uh, that I picked up on the Switch the other day. It's on sale right now if you want to go pick it up. It's on sale on Steam and PS4. It's called Savage Halloween. It's an indie game based on... It's a Halloween-themed game, but it's a mix. If like somebody took Contra and Mega Man uh, and, and some side-scrolling shooters and some stuff like some Battletoads-type stuff and just mashed it all together and put like a, a Castlevania coating on it. Like that spooky okay. Halloween coating on it. It's like a side-scrolling shooter. It's so worth the money. Just go pick it up right now. That's what I'm going to be playing next week. Savage Halloween. You won't be disappointed. Trust me. I'll take your word for it and I'll download it. Awesome. Well, that's what I'm reviewing next week. So before we get out of here, uh, what's going on over at the Derek Diamond experience? 
Yeah, so this week I'm chatting with casting editor and commercial director Luke Cheney, who's worked on uh, various reality TV projects, most notably The Voice. So if you're a fan of that, uh, if you if you watch most like competition based reality shows, you know how they'll show like little highlight packages of the singer before they actually you know come on stage and and sing or whatever the case may be. He put those together during his time working on the voice. So I always thought, you know, the, the packages they put together for the individual people were all really well done. So, and I knew next to nothing about reality TV and mm. how it works behind the scenes. So I got to learn a lot about that. And he was just a, a cool dude to talk to in general. I'm actually going to be appearing on his podcast uh, coming up in December. That's cool. uh, it's called, it's called the movie time capsule podcast where it's, the premise is you have um, the premise is the world is ending and you have 60 minutes to pick as many movies as you can to put in a time capsule. <laughs> but the, the issue is, so like if you pick say like a certain franchise or like the works of a certain director or actor, you can only use one movie Ugh. for each question that he asks. <laughs> so I'll be, uh, I'll be doing his show in a couple of months and what, once it's posted, I'll, you know, let everyone know, but it was really fun conversation and I can't wait to do his show too. So you can check that out. Um, if you're watching live, it'll be out tomorrow. If you're listening on the download, it's already out and you can follow me on all the social medias at D diamond podcast. Awesome. This Friday on open micers earlier tonight, we got to talk to Jackie Neiman Jones. If that name sounds familiar, she played Debbie Manos and Manos hands of fate. And uh, which is a staple for Misty's, the MST3K fans. If you've never seen that episode of MST3K, that's actually the very first episode I ever saw of Mystery Science Theater 3000 was Manos, Hands of Fate. Widely regarded as one of the worst movies ever made, uh, but she has uh, taken it and ran with it over the last you know 30 years, uh, making her own sequels to it and keeping the Manos... Uh, universe alive. So she was fun to talk to. Go check it out at at Open Micers on Twitter, uh, Open Micers Podcast on Facebook. And uh, I think that's going to do it for this week. Is there anything else we haven't discussed before we walk out of the door? No, I think I'm good. All right, well, let me play our music here. If you'd like to email us, you can email us at nerdcaveretro at gmail.com. Any news stories or you want to tell us that we're cool or we're not cool or whatever, just email it to us right over there. We're also at nerdcaveretro.com. We're on Facebook at facebook.com slash nerdcaveretro, Instagram and Twitter at nerdcaveretro, and individually at jfunktastic and at Derek underscore diamond. Go get you some shirts or any kind of merch you want. We got all kinds of stuff, coffee mugs, bags, everything over at ncrmerch.com. Running sales all month long in October. It helps out the show. And if you can't do that, go over to Patreon. Patreon.com slash NerdCaveRetro if you want to keep us above that $50 level. We need some more patrons. We need patrons back. We love you guys. Help us. Help us get above $50 again every month so we can keep doing commentary tracks. If you can't do that, leave us a review wherever fine podcasts are given away for free. So, Derek, please tell them what it's all about. May the way of the hero lead to the Triforce. Yes. Ah! Oh. A fellow checker, eh?
Almost forgot. <laughs>